Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. I, I'm going to do, I want you to do something to help me out. It's going to be an illustration a little bit later in the sermon. So what I need for everyone to do, and we're going to do it by rows, okay? So you don't have to communicate with anyone in the other row. You communicate with the people in your row. Starting in the middle from right here, so it would be Hunter and John and Kyle, okay, going this way. You're going to start by numbering yourself number one. And then the next person is going to be number two. And then the next person will be number one. And two, there's a pattern here. One, two, one, two. I want you to number yourselves by one, two. Go in from the inside. All right, so go ahead and do that right now and get it all figured out while I go back up, okay? Hopefully you were able to accomplish that. And uh, we'll, we'll, you'll see why in a little while, why I had asked you to do that. Uh, this is the first time I realized, as I sat down to prepare for the, today, this is the first time that I have been able to preach in the pulpit at in our church in a, almost a, about a year. And so, um, if you may not know what that means, but Candace does. She said to me, this means you're going to have a lot to say. And I said, well, maybe. And she said, honey, preach a sermon, not a series. And I'm like, okay. I will do my best. So I decided I was going to, to, to honor that advice and go with a devotional. <laughs> and we'll see what that means at the end. Okay? Let me, let me uh, start us with prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for this time that we can be together. Thank you for the love that you have for us, your children, and for the love that you have for a lost world and, and a desire to see people come to know you as Lord and Savior. Help us to be those instruments. Help us to know all of the goodness that you have poured into our lives. We thank you, Father, for what you give us. And I pray your hand be upon me and that your word would come alive as we study it and burrow its way into our hearts and express its way out into our lives. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Philemon. Philemon is the shortest of Paul's epistles. It's at the very end. It's, it's it's one chapter, and in my Bible, it's almost entirely one page. So we're going to be looking, we're going to be spending the entirety of this morning in Philemon. So let's begin at verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Paul's addressed the letter to this man named Philemon. We know what we know about him is that uh, the church met in his home, as Paul has said. And the content of the letter is about uh, a man named Onesimus, who is a slave, who is a runaway slave, probably the property of Onesimus. Um, there's no indication about what kind of master uh, Philemon was. We don't know if he was a good one or a cruel one. We don't know. We do know that from Philemon verse 19 that he probably accepted the Lord under Paul's ministry. Um, Onesimus was a house slave, which means that he was directly under the, the um, leadership of the woman in the house. So Aphia, we suspect, is 
uh, as Philemon's wife. And so Onesimus would have needed to answer to her. And I believe this is why Paul is also writing to her so she can gain some of the knowledge that he'd like to share for her to see. And Archippus, we're not sure. He could be the son of Philemon and Ephia. He could be. And he also could be the pastor of the church in, in Laodicea. So, which is very close to the area of Colossae where uh, Paul is writing this letter. So, uh, but what I love about what Paul says about Archippus is that he's a fellow soldier. That word there in the Greek is the same word with which we get our English strategy. Stratotes. So he's ministering with Paul and, and there's, there's definitely a strategy to how we do ministry. And I think Paul's going to share some strategy with us right now. I don't think it's a coincidence that he's, that Archippus is listed as a fellow soldier, as a strategist. Onesimus, as I mentioned, was a house slave and he's a runaway. He's possibly also has stolen, he has possibly stolen from the house as well. We see that in verse 18. And it was very common for runaways to go to large cities where they could blend in and hide. But if caught, uh, the punishment for uh, was very severe, sanctioned by Roman law. He could be scourged. He could be hobbled or, or, or physically mutilated. He could be crucified. He could even be thrown in with wild beasts to have them uh, have at him. It was very severe. And, and we know that he's on the run when he encounters Paul, but we don't know how and, and where. We aren't certain either. And it's possible that he went to Paul to seek intercession because he knew that Paul knew uh, Philemon. Did he have a change of heart? We don't know. But that's the content. That's the background. That's the backstory of this book. Verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that Paul opens... Every single one of his epistles with some formula of grace and peace. In 1 Timothy, he also includes mercy. Grace, peace, and mercy to you. That grace and peace are at the very beginning of Paul's message. It's so important to him to convey that idea. Do you know what grace and peace mean? Why don't you take just a second... And discuss it with the person next to you. Your definition of grace and your definition of peace. What have we got for grace? Somebody, how you would define grace. Okay, I heard, I heard over here. I saw a hand over there. I'll come over here. Unmerited favor. Okay. How about peace? I'll go on this side. Peace. It passes understanding. Jeff. Acceptance of that grace. Oh, I like that too. As I thought about grace and peace, I thought to myself that these are these two simple little words that are at the beginning of Paul's epistles that we can move past so fast. Because we can say, I know what grace means. I know what peace means. Let's get to the heart of the letter. And I think we should stop. 
And think about this for a second. These are experiential words. The only way they can be known is if we experience them. Sure, we can define them, but we don't really know what they mean unless we've experienced these words. And they can only be experienced when they come through us experiencing the power of the Trinity in our lives. Of us knowing the Father, knowing the Son, and being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We can experience grace and peace by experiencing the Trinity. And if you have experienced that, my question for you now is, are people experiencing grace and peace when they encounter you? Verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Remember the strategy, stratiotes? I think we're seeing the strategy starting to emerge right here. Paul says that faith results in love. Love then results in action. And then it comes full circle back to faith, as we'll see. I think this is discipleship. Notice that Paul didn't say it's action that results in love, which results in faith. Grace and peace and experiencing the Trinity through faith results in love, which then results in action. Now, this is an illustration that is not new to any of my students, but it seems to be one of their favorite ones for understanding what I'm talking about right here. We had a beautiful chocolate lab who we lost about a year ago in February. She, we, she died. And that dog was so happy. Every time you'd see her, that tail would be moving. She would just be going. And I would say, I say to my students, now, was Breve a dog because she wagged her tail? Or did she wag her tail because she was a dog? She wagged her tail because she was a dog. What she do came out of who she be. She be, so she do, bless you. Doobie, doobie, okay. <laughs> the action resulted, well, she was a faithful dog. And she sure loved us. And like I said, this is discipleship. And what do you think Paul meant? When he said to Philemon and talked to him about him sharing his faith. Do you think he was suggesting Philemon share the gospel with his co-workers? Maybe he was suggesting that Philemon put a bumper sticker on his chariot. I think there's more. 
I asked you, are people experiencing grace and peace when they encounter you? Um, the other day I had, it was Thursday, I had, I had, I was getting ready to have an, uh, meet someone, have an appointment. I stopped into Starbucks to get my venti chai, or uh, venti, uh, I don't even know what I drink at Starbucks. It's a big green tea, jade citrus tea, go to get that. And I'm standing in line behind someone and she's swiped her card and she's purchasing her coffee. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing what most of us do, paying attention to my own little world. Because I've got, you know, an agenda. I've got things I have to accomplish. And I'm paying attention to my stuff. And I overhear, as she starts to step away, the, the customer in front of me starts to step away after she's paid. The barista calls her back and she says, oh, um, you're short 50 cents. And so I felt like, because I had started to step up, I, I stepped into the story. 50 cents. So I pop, pulled out my wallet because I was watching her. She was digging through her change purse and she didn't have 50 cents. She didn't have anything. I, I, I got this. Pulled out a dollar, handed it to the barista. I said, I'll cover this. And the barista said to me, um, and by the way, before that, I handed her the dollar and the customer walked away. And the barista said, it's good to see that there's still gentlemen in the world. And I blew that off. I just went, oh, well, you know, if your parents raised me good, that's fine, whatever, just you know, take care of it. And the barista turned around, she was getting my tea, and she came back, and she was crying. And I realized, she could be crying for a couple reasons. One, whatever happened in that exchange may have been a part of something that was in her story. Maybe she suffered... Maybe she experienced trauma. Maybe she saw, encountered something that made her see what happened here with me to be something beautiful and she, and it touched her. Maybe she's crying because I just totally blew off her comment. I don't know. But when she came back to me to give me my tea, and when I say crying, I mean she's, tears are running down her cheeks. And, and I, I just reached over I put my hand on her elbow and I said, I'm aware that I missed something. I'm aware that that was very important to you. And I'm really sorry that I just was so flippant with my comment. And she started crying harder. And I said, would you like to talk? And she said, no, and then she smiled big and she said, no, but you just really made my day. Are people experiencing grace and peace when they encounter you and me? Verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. So Paul's telling us that faith results in joy, encouragement, refreshment, joy, the fruit of the Spirit, a cause for rejoicing, bliss, encouragement. This word also here in our text can be, can be looked at as influence, support, solace, consolation, action things 
that you don't just hold for yourself, but that you give to others, that you spread out. Refreshment, rest, intermission, pause. I'd suggest that this is what it looks like when we wag our tails. Do you wag your tail because you're a dog, or are you a dog because you wag your tail? So in conclusion, and we all know what that means, nothing. In conclusion, if faith results in love, which then results in action, if grace and peace can only be experienced when they come through us experiencing the power of the Trinity, if people are supposed to experience grace and peace when they encounter you and me, if this is what a big part of what discipleship is, if this is where faith results in joy, encouragement, and refreshment, then, then what better place is there for us to exercise our faith than within our own families? And that's exactly what Paul is telling Philemon. Philemon, your house, make sure it's in order. Are you expressing grace and peace to your wife, or your husband, your children? What better place is there to exercise our faith than within our church? Are people experiencing grace and peace? In this family. Okay. The one, two, one, two, one, two. If you're a one, would you please stand up? If you're unable to stand, please have someone stand in your, in your, in your stead. Okay. Okay. Now I'd like for you all to look around. It's, it's important. If you're in the front, I want you to be able to see. I want you to all go ahead and look around and see how many people are standing. Okay? In 2011, Fuller Seminary conducted a study, and they found that within the next four years of a high school graduate leaving the home, that many of all of you who are standing would no longer be walking in the faith or active in a local church. They also found that from right about here over of those who are standing, they never intended to leave the faith. They never intended to leave their church. Something happened. You can go ahead and have a seat. So the Fuller Institute conducted this big study. We've got to find out what's going on. We've got to find the one thing that we can change. They call it, they called it the magic bullet that we can find. And after all their study and all their work, nothing. They found nothing. But they did find a few things that raised interest for them some commonalities that were occurring 
in those who stayed in the church and stayed in their faith, they found commonalities. They found the absence of this in, predominant in those who left. And it was that as teenagers and, and as young, the tweens, the younger, the, the students who had three to five adult relationships within the church with the exclusion, exclusion of youth leaders, youth sponsors, youth pastors, meaning you, fared a much better chance of staying connected with their faith and staying connected with their faith community. Pastor Gary and I were talking last week, and I said, I want to drive this point home somehow. And I want us to understand that I love that we are an intergenerational church. You look around and you see what we have, see who we are. It's amazing. And when I love when we dismiss the kids. I like sitting out there when we dismiss the kids because I get to see their faces as they all run out. And some of them are running, some of them are like, the, you know. I love it. It's fun to see all of that. We're... But I want us to also think about that right now, this really isn't intergenerational integration. We're all sitting basically, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a different place. It's as though we're sitting in a bus and you're all on your way to one destination and that's what you share in common. And we make the assumption that because we're all on this bus together, we, we must be part of something special. The only way to get to know people on your bus is to talk to them. Is to, is to, is to mix and integrate. There's this, uh, there's this thing that we've been talking about for a while. The prayer partner, prayer warrior ministry. And I do want to explain it really quick because I've had many questions. I've had questions from folks who've said, could you assign me a person and I'll pray for them? And that's very intentional. And I appreciate the interest. What I'm attempting to do is something a little bit more organic because the studies have shown that that's what really connects. That's what really makes an impact on the lives of teenagers is when someone walks over to a teenager, you didn't know this was coming and neither did I, and say, hi, I'm Kevin. Hi, Hunter. It's good to meet you. You've been coming here for a while. I mean, I, 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 haven't, rec- I haven't seen you. I don't know who you are. Tell me about yourself. <laughs> I'm very new. Okay. <laughs> well, so as an adult, I can take one of these that are out in the narthex, and I can, I can cut one of them off, and I can fill out information on it, which is my prayer request, my name, put that up there, and, and let Hunter know some of the folks that I'm hoping to share my faith with, friends who need Jesus on that. And then I can ask Hunter to do the very same thing for me, and we can exchange them. And so next week in the narthex, when we're walking through here, I can go, hey, there's Hunter. There's Hunter. And I can walk over and I can say, how are things going with your prayer requests? Have you had any opportunities to speak with your friends? And we can have this conversation. We can build this conversation. And the thing that I really want to be careful with of assigning prayer warriors is that I can make sure that every kid has a prayer partner. 
But I'd like for every kid to have three to five. I'd like to, to tip, the, tip the scale, if, I, if we can. And so, uh, here's some of the obstacles. Oh, incidentally, we have 27 teenagers currently actively attending our congregation. That does not include the other eight who are, are active in our youth group. Okay? Of the 27, the last time I checked in, 12 have prayer partners. Obstacles. Um, I mentioned the wanting to be assigned to a teenager. Now, I'm taking a really big risk here because I didn't research this on purpose. I wanted to see, Pastor Jim, you have mentioned that Wilson, and I, every time you talk about Wilson Fossey, I'm like, I, I met him. What a great guy. I mean, I knew, I didn't know him as well as you did, but he would come into my office when he was here, talk with me a little bit, check in on the new youth pastor. I love that guy. He was awesome. And I'm curious, and so here's the... Who assigned Wilson Fossey to you? Nobody. Nobody. And Wilson Fossey, from your, from your mouth, played such an incredible part of his spiritual development. And he's our senior pastor. Obstacle two. I don't know who the teenagers are. Let's get this over with now. If you're a teenager, please stand up. Teenagers. It goes both ways. Those are the adults. They're sitting down. Thanks. Go ahead and sit. What I'm saying is it's not just up to the adults. And I'm not picking on the adults. I'm not complaining. I'm pointing out something that we need to overcome. You guys need to do this too. You need to do this too. Someone asked me, what if I approach someone and ask them if they'd be a prayer partner with me and they're not a teenager? I said, well, then you will make a friend. (laughs) Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Faith results in love, which then results in action. Grace and peace can only be experienced when they come through us experiencing the power of the Trinity. People are supposed to experience grace and peace when they encounter you and me. This is all a part of discipleship. Where faith results in joy, encouragement, and refreshment. I'm going to ask you guys to come on up and... Continue to lead us in our worship. Hey, you guys, let's all stand for a word of prayer. And we're going to have a word of prayer. And as we do so, I want you to know that uh, we are committing ourselves to continue to walk with you guys and you with us and seeing you guys continue to serve and lead. And uh, we're just excited to be a part of your lives, and we're excited for the part of you guys. I've watched you guys to serve and lead and be a part of this church family. I want to thank you for it both of you. God bless you. 
God bless both of you guys. Lord bless you and everything you've had. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for uh, not just these two guys and uh, Will, who couldn't be with us this morning. We thank you for all of our young people. We've watched them uh, grow up before us. We've watched them serve alongside of us. We've watched them lead. We've watched them reach out to their peers. And, Father, we've seen them grow spiritually. Both these young men have accepted Christ as their Savior. And both of them have committed to walk in your ways. Lord, we thank you for their families. We know their families. And we know that they love you. And they have done their part to raise their young people in the things of the Lord. And we thank you for the godly heritage and tradition that these young men have and their families. And we look forward to them continuing that tradition. We thank you for this congregation. We thank you that from our very founding in 1964, that our youth ministry was at the forefront It was always emphasized, and it was always made clear uh, that we are here for our young people. And we are still, and we pray your blessing on this congregation as we link arms with one another and serve you, walk with you, and lift you up and lift your name. And we pray this in Christ, our Savior's name, and all God's people can say together.